Hey, this is Mr. Anderson, Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Peak Podcast. Um, let's see what else. I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil Furman's secrets of WCW Nitro. New two out of three falls here on the Cruise Control Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. Me, Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. Graham Matthews from Bleacher Report. He's on Twitter at Russell Rant. You can download, rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast on both SoundCloud.com slash Cruise Control Podcast. Download, rate, comment, subscribe on iTunes. We also have a two out of three falls t-shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com. Again, ProWrestlingTees.com. So if you are a fan or a supporter of the show and want to buy a shirt, uh, go ahead and do so. And if you do buy one, tag us, show us on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Graham, my man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. I know we had a two-week absence here from the show. We had, uh, well, I was almost going to say Elimination Chamber. What was the name of the pay-per-view? Hell in the Cell. Hell in the Cell. Um, on Sunday night, we're going to talk all about that. But yeah, great to be back, my friend. Likewise, man. I, and, you know, since you mentioned it, let's get right to it. And, you know, not going to spend too much time on it because it is already Thursday. It's September 20th. But we did have Hell in the Cell this past weekend. Just want to get you quick thoughts. We go uh, real quick to the, the new day defeated uh, Rusev Day, which is no longer together. Uh, spoiler alert. Randy Orton defeated Jeff Hardy in the Hell in a Cell match. I uh, thought that was pretty good. Becky Lynch defeated Charlotte to become the new SmackDown Women's Champion. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre defeated Dean Ambrose and Seth to keep their Raw Tag Titles. AJ Styles defeated Samoa Joe to retain the WWE title. The Miz and Maurice defeated Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella. Ronda Rousey defeated Alexa Bliss to keep her Raw Women's title. And Roman Reigns' Braun Strowman went to a no contest because Brock Lesnar came in and cleaned house. And you had people fighting on the cell. And the cell was red on Sunday. So overall, man, what did you make of Hell in a Cell this past weekend? Honestly, I thoroughly enjoyed it. My expectations were not um, exactly lofty going into the event. I mean, we've never really had a truly great Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And the event's now been around for close to 10 years, right. which is pretty crazy. I know we talk all the time. We've been talking about it for years, Randy, here on the show, about how these gimmick pay-per-views, whether it be Hell in a Cell, TLC, Extreme Rules, are absolutely unnecessary. But when you really think about it, this is insane, that we have now had – Hell in the Cell, the pay-per-view that is, longer than we had, I think, than we had, like, Judgment Day, and, I mean, Backlash is back, but, like, Judgment Day, Armageddon, like, we've had these pay-per-views longer than we ever had those pay-per-views, which is kind of crazy, and they're still completely pointless. That being said, I thought this was a really, really good show, save for a disappointing main event, which we'll talk about momentarily, but by and large, especially from an in-ring standpoint, I thought this was a great show. The first half or so I thought was spectacular. 
Orton and Hardy was one of the better Hell in a Cell matches in recent memory. Mm-hmm. The tag title match, the Raw tag title match, I should say, was really, really good. Even the kickoff match, that was all right. Um, the two women's title matches were very good. I really, really like the show. Um, it's not going to save WWE TV right now. I mean, Raw's still in the doldrums and SmackDown's doing okay. So it's kind of like a blimp on the radar. I mean, I don't think Raw's going to improve because Hell in a Cell was all that great. But I did really enjoy the pay-per-view. Um, just in a vacuum, I thought it was a very good show. So did the red cell throw you off? Honestly, no. I saw a lot of people arguing about that going into the show like it was this disgrace. How could they do that? It's a fucking cell. Like, who cares? Like, I know they once painted the steel cage blue, and that was a pretty rad setup for the the, uh, steel cage, and I wish they would bring that back. Red cell gray cell blue cell like if it's not pink then who cares like i know they used to paint is this any more egregious than them painting the ropes pink which i know is for breast cancer but they used to do that and i think they still do during the month of october and they would have the pink ropes inside the hell in the cell now that looked ridiculous and if people i know people complained about that but if we were okay with that we got it along you know we got uh we were you know okay with that for so many years i think we're okay with a red cell it's not the biggest um, you know, it's not the biggest wrongdoing in the world. There's much bigger issues in WWE right now than a red fucking cell. So it didn't really bother me all that much. I will say that much. Um, Becky Lynch became the new SmackDown Women's Champion. Uh, again, me and you, me and you did not get a chance to do our preview, so I don't know who I would have chosen. But um, good to see Becky Lynch as a new SmackDown Women's Champion. Um, what else we got here? Uh, Reigns and, and Braun, no contest. A very, um, I'm I'm not so sure so sure if it's a wise choice to end the pay per view uh in a no contest. I know some fans were chanting, uh, you know, this is bullshit in the crowd on uh, some video that that I saw. Brock Lesnar returns, clean house. We had Dolph. Uh, Drew, Dean, and Seth fighting on top of the cage. Braun and, and Roman were laid out flat for like damn near a half hour. Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's let's kind of recap this one. Uh, were you shocked that Brock made made his return that night? And, and, and what you know, as a fan, what what does it do for you? Saying that Brock was only away for a month, now you put him in this triple threat match upcoming at the. Crown Jewel pay-per-view, which I know we'll talk about later, but Brock's involvement in this match, were you shocked uh, uh, about it? Actually, I was. I think it was being reported right before the show that Brock Lesnar was backstage. I stayed off online all night, so I didn't see that. I actually did not watch the show live. I watched it the next day, and I stayed off the internet until I watched it. So I was actually very surprised to see Brock. I did not expect him at the show, much less until the end of the year, at the earliest. I figured he was UFC bound, and he likely is still UFC bound, but I thought he would fully focus on his MMA return and completely disregard WWE after losing the championship at SummerSlam. But he is back albeit temporarily, I would imagine. And no one really knows what the hell's going on with Brock. People said that he would not be at SummerSlam. He will be. He won't be. Obviously, he was. But then the rumor on the street, the word on the street was, oh, he's going to wrestle at SummerSlam, drop the championship, and then we won't see him again. Or he's going to retain the championship, and then we won't see him again for another few months. No one knows what the hell is actually going on with Mm. Brock Lesnar. All we do know right now is that he obviously returned at Hell in a Cell, 
and that he is back for that Crown Jewel show coming up in early November. So it's pretty probable that we will not see Brock again on WWE TV until that Saudi Arabia show for like another month and a half. Um, I mean, personally, I'm glad to see Brock back. I mean, granted, he was only gone for a month. But again, I was under the impression that we would not see Brock again Probably not ever again, but I thought we would see him at least not until WrestleMania season. So this is way earlier than expected. I assume they're just bringing him in to stack up that Saudi Arabia show, um, which will very likely receive a Shawn Michaels match on that card, which has been rumored for a while. Now, we talked about it here on the show a few weeks ago. Um, Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement to wrestle The Undertaker or a tag team match. I'm not exactly a fan of it, but he'll likely be wrestling on that show along with Brock Lesnar and Undertaker. WWE is trying to load up that show as much as possible, so them phoning up Brock Lesnar to compete in the main event for the Universal Championship does not surprise me in the slightest. Um, But it it is good to see him back. I think he can be a good asset. He always has been a good asset to the company. There's still many more matches to have with Brock. I'm kind of sick of him in the world title picture, granted. Him against Braun, him against Roman Reigns, give me a fucking break. I'm tired of it by this point. Mm. Um, but it did make for a cool moment in and of itself. It made for a cool moment at the end of Sunday's pay-per-view. It ruined the main event, which wasn't really that good anyway. And you should never end a Hell in a Cell match with a no contest, which I know they've done before, but it was 20 years ago. And it was on an episode of Raw. It might have been like Mankind and Kane versus Taker and Stone Cold or whatever yeah. it might have been. Um, but that was 20 years ago. It was on Raw. This is the main event of a pay-per-view that people paid to see and be at. Mm. And you don't just end it without a real winner. It was a joke. And lost in all of this is that Braun cast in his Money in the Bank contract, which he is now the fourth man in history to cash in unsuccessfully. And I figured he would lose, and they protected him, mind you. But yeah. still, the way that it was executed was very... Very unimaginative. Very, um, they they could have done a better job of giving us a better finish to that match than what they did, or at least not put it in the cell. What a concept! I mean, I know it's the yeah. Hell in the Cell pay per view, but Roman and Braun, despite their history dating back almost two years, they had no business being inside the cell anyway. They just their feud just kicked off again a month ago. AJ and Joe, which did have a decisive finish, should have happened inside the cell, whereas it was Braun and Roman for. God knows what reason. And like you said, they were out cold for like 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and that really made me mad. It's like we've seen Ambrose and we've seen Rollins fall off the cell before. This is nothing new. It's not cool. I don't care. Meanwhile, Roman and Braun are down out in the middle of the ring for like a half hour. And then Nick Foley also served a no purpose as the special guest referee. So, again, the whole thing was a giant mess. But save for that main event, putting all of that aside, I did think it was a really – Good show, and when you compare it to all the other pay-per-views that WWE has put on in 2018, it might honestly go down as one of the better pay-per-views they produced all year. Hmm. Are you ready for the bearded Brock Lesnar era? I am. You know, we've seen bearded Brock (laughs) Lesnar before in UFC. He looked Mm -hmm. like a badass then. He looks like a badass now. I love that he came out wearing not one of his Suplex City shirts, but one of his, like, standard workout, tap out, whatever it was, shirts. He came out looking like he just came from the gym. Like, he looked a lot leaner, too. And I know he's only been gone a month. Maybe that's what it is, but... Maybe it's the UFC drug testing policy, wellness policy, whatever that they're finally cracking down on with him. But he looked great. He looked really, really good. He looked even more badass than he did the last time we saw him. So I hope he keeps the beard. Um, it's a great look for him. And at one point, you know, I know you brought it up already, but with the whole cash and 
you know, with no contest and no clear winner, does the cash-in by Braun, you know, the way they played it out, made it seem like they diluted the whole big aura of cashing in the money in the bank and not having a, a clear-cut winner on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, it w- the concept itself was kind of played out. Someone cashing in unexpectedly. So I appreciated that Braun did it in advance. But the thing is, it goes back to why Braun's a heel in the first place. If he gave Roman advance notice, which is a babyface thing to do. And I was hoping he would do that because Braun is not an opportunist. That's just not the nature of his character. But he turned heel anyway. So it made no sense. Why wouldn't he have waited to just do it on an on, uh, on an, at an on, uh, inopportune time for Roman Reigns and uh, just do it unexpectedly like every other person before him. So that was kind of a waste, a waste of the briefcase. And I know Braun was not pinned, but I, I don't think he's winning that championship. And the thing is, is that he's now gotten three or four championship matches. SummerSlam last year, No Mercy against Brock last year, Royal Rumble earlier this year, now Hell in the Cell. He's lost every single time. He may not have been pinned every time, but he was not successful in winning the championship, which the further along they go at this, and I hate to make this comparison, but the more it feels like Ryback, where it was just a it was just a case of wrong time, wrong place, and they never put the championship on him. Now Braun has a way bigger upside than Ryback ever did, yeah. but same scenario where they should have put the championship on him exactly the same pay-per-view hell in the cell five, six years ago with Ryback, and they couldn't because Punk had his longest reigning record going, so they couldn't do that. Roman Reigns just won the title. They're not going to take the championship off him anytime soon. So he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place right now, and I don't think Crown Jewel will be any different. So not only did it kind of hurt the Money in the Bank concept, because you just had a guy cash in last year and lose, that being Baron Corbin, and that obviously you saw what that did that what that did for his career, or didn't do for his career, rather. And um, now Braun, not to say that he's going to end up like Baron Corbin, like a loser, but he's coming across less and less credible with every pay-per-view that passes because the more that he can't win the big one, the more he comes across like a loser in storyline. So I wasn't a fan of that. Um, Crown Jewel. The, they have so many, so many shows coming up. Uh, they got the Super Showdown. In a couple of weeks, maybe early October, they have Evolution. At the end of October, they also have Crown Jewel. Uh, to me, Crown Jewel just a, a better, or not a better, a, a different name as opposed to King of the Ring. I think it's a, a ripple from that. But um, you get a triple threat match between Brock Braun and Roman for the Universal title. Um, hmm. Does Roman Reigns leave Crown Jewel, out of all names to pick around, uh, Crown Jewel, uh, as Universal Champion? Do you think they pull the trigger and give it to Braun? I, I, again, I don't know which way they're going. At least they're making us think of what direction now with Brock is in, uh, back involved. Um, they could start a Brock-Braun kind of thing and have Roman fight somebody else uh, after that in the meantime. Because fans are going to be like, ah, oh, we've seen Brock and Roman before many times. We've seen Brock and uh, and Braun sometimes, but they may not be in the mood for that. So I'm trying to see for this Crown Jewel event, uh, does Brock become champion? Does Braun become champion? Or does Roman retain the belt? 
I think it's pretty obvious Roman is walking out still the mm. universal champion. I mean, Brock obviously should not regain the goal. That'd be a massive mistake. Braun should win, I think, if anything, just to give him the championship for a month or three weeks, whatever. It's better than nothing. The guy has to win the championship at some point, and if not, he might as well go to SmackDown and win their WWE championship because as long as Roman is on Raw, he may never win the Universal Championship. Same goes for Finn Balor, uh, maybe even Dean Ambrose. But yeah, with Braun, Roman, and Brock, uh, like you said, with Brock and Braun, I don't know. I feel like we have been there, done that. They had their little feud last year. They teased it for a long time. They had their ultimate match, and it sucked. The match was not good. Their No Mercy main event was very disappointing. Um, They collided again at the Royal Rumble with Kane, mind you, but they were still involved in the same match, and it also was not that good. By this point, I'm done with that. Not as done as I am with Roman and Brock, obviously. That we've seen for years now, dating back Mm. to 2015. But I'm just done with all three of these guys feuding with each other. I'm ready for Roman to move on to, like, Drew McIntyre or Finn Balor. Or, you know what? God forbid Dolph Ziggler. I don't really care that much about Dolph, but at least he's a fresh challenger in the world championship scene. And I'm sure him and Roman can have some really, really good matches. And it's better than nothing. And it's better than Braun going for the championship and losing. At least Dolph going for the championship and losing makes sense. So I'd rather see that by this point. But yeah, I don't think Crown Jewel will be any different than the fucking greatest Royal Rumble, where it's like a glorified house show and really not much of note happens. Plus, we already have Super Showdown coming up in like less than three weeks. So if anything big's going to happen at an international show, it's probably going to be that one. And like I said, Shawn Michaels will likely wrestle at Crown Jewel, and that's all fine and dandy. Um, but I, I don't think they're changing the Universal Championship on that show. Uh, Super Showdown, October 6th. Evolution, October 28th. And like five days after that, you have Crown Jewel, November 2nd in Saudi Arabia. Um, just going back to Super Showdown real quick. Yeah, uh, we're going to get Daniel Bryan to Miz. And the winner gets a title shot. So it's an, a number one contender match, which was announced on SmackDown on Tuesday. I, I I think the Miz is gonna go on to beat Daniel Bryan and, and eventually become uh, world champion by defeating AJ Styles. I, I'm gonna get to AJ in a second, but also uh, Triple H now with Shawn Michaels in his corner against Undertaker with Kane now in, in, in his corner. Um, um, in his corner, I know that that that's a big time match. You can't wait. Just four guys right from the Attitude Era. I know you can't wait for that. Um, so now, <laughs> could the, not give two shits to be quite honest with you. Ah, uh, yeah, come on, man. Kane Kane's a new mayor of whatever of Tennessee, Knoxville County. That's right, Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> um, so the back and forth promos with Sean and Hunter and Taker is is, is I think they they're, they're doing a really good job telling a story, trying to sell that match. Uh, someone like you may not be too much interested, but for me, from that era, uh, I think, you know, going at it w- one more time, one-on-one, uh, you know, I- I'm, I'm hoping it's cool. Um, but now the big speculation is w- what do they do with Sean after? Uh, I read somewhere that they might do a tag match with uh, Triple H and Sean against Taker and Kane. Uh, I don't even know what show it, it would be, but that's that's the next step. Uh, trying to get Shawn Michaels back in the ring. If not, if a one-on-one match with Taker could be down the road at WrestleMania. Um, you ready to say you don't give a shit about this this match now with Shawn in, in Hunter's corner and Kane in Taker's corner, but um, what's the likely route you think Shawn 
they would have Sean go. A, don't come back at all, which is very doubtful now. B, a tag match, him and Hunter against Taker and Kane, or do you think they bring him back flat out for a one-on-one match likely against The Undertaker? Yeah, it's going to be the tag team match. I think by this point, it's all but set in stone that Michaels is wrestling at Crown Jewel in November. I mean, this has been rumored for months. Ever since it was uh, confirmed that WWE would be holding another Saudi Arabia show after the first one made them so much money. Not because it was a great show. The show sucked. Um, It was because they made so much money off that deal. I think the rumor ever since then, dating back months and months and months since the start of the summer, was that Michaels would wrestle again um, at that show because they would offer him a deal that he could not refuse. This is far from the first time this has happened where they've you know asked him to come back for a lot of money, but it's not Saudi Arabia money because they're getting – I mean the, the numbers came out earlier this year that they were making a ridiculous amount of money for these friggin' shows, um, WWE that is. So they're probably offering Michaels more money than he's ever gotten in his entire career. And I know you want to honor the retirement as many other fans want him to. Right. But can you honestly turn down that much money regardless of how much it might be? I'm not sure what the exact number would be, obviously, but it's got to be millions upon millions of dollars to come back for one match just because they want him on that show to make it feel like as big of a deal as possible. And I will say this, like you said, Randy, I don't care about Triple H and Undertaker at Super Showdown. I really have no interest in seeing Michaels back in the ring, but they've done a great job of making me care about a match mm. to an extent um, than I did before. The, the build of the match has been really well done between Triple H and Taker at Super Showdown. They've already planted the seeds for that tag team match at Crown Jewel. They wouldn't be bringing Kane in at Super Showdown if they didn't plan to build to a tag team match at the subsequent special. That just there's no way that's happening. There's what there's no way that's not happening. I should say. So just expect, as you had said, DX versus Brothers of Destruction would have been a lot better ten years ago. But whatever, um, they want to make their money and that's fine. But yeah, that's that's the ultimate path I see this going. And from there, what's next for Michaels beyond that likely tag team match? Then I could see him coming back for more matches if he does well in that match. If he starts to get the feel for like, hey, I could still do this, I don't have any ring rust, or like, I can still go another couple more matches, you know, I feel like that's what happened with Shane. Like, he wrestled that one match at WrestleMania a few years ago against The Undertaker. It wasn't a great match, but he had a better showing than some expected um, in some cases. And they're like, yeah, let's bring him back for more matches against Kevin Owens and AJ Styles and a few others. So I could see that being the case for Michaels. Maybe he does well in that tag team match. And then he comes back to wrestle another match either against The Undertaker, which I wouldn't do, or against Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, really anyone else. Johnny Gargano, I know, was, Johnny Gargano from NXT was rumored at one point. So the possibilities are endless. But, um, yeah, that's the ultimate path I see this going with HBK. Uh, I mean, this might be a dumb question because I, I know the answer, but if Sean was to come back, and do a tag match, depending on what he can cannot do. Do you still count that as a comeback or a comeback out of retirement and you're coming back in, in a whatever subpar tag team match? Or if you come back for a one-on-one match, that's an official coming out of retirement. You know, I know Sean wants to 
live out you know the, the storyline of you know me uh paying the respect of like you know if, if i did a career versus career match and i and i lose and i and i, and I retire i'm gonna live up to that word but for a tag match i'm i'm still trying to figure out why would they do why would sean want to come back now and then you, you know you mentioned the money but why would he come back now out of all the times he could have came back in 2011 12 13 and so on and so forth but you coming back to play a role in his tag match but you still don't know what role he has and then after that crown jewel is, is in early november so you probably have survivor series after that do you build up to a survivor series kind of tag match but do you still count that as a as a coming out of retirement stuff or it does he need like a one-on-one match to say all right sean is back he's, he's out of retirement yeah, no, I count this as a comeback. I know it's not a one-on-one match, but it's still another match. Like, he retired from wrestling in general, not just singles matches. So I do count this as a comeback. But like I said, if he's going to wrestle, if he's going to wrestle, he might as well make it a tag team match first. Now, I think it would be pointless. You know what? At this point, the fucking cat's out of the bag. If he's going to wrestle, give him five more matches. Don't have him wrestle one meaningless D-Generation X reunion, which we've seen a million times by this point. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have him wrestle, go all the way with it and have him wrestle all the people, maybe not everyone, but like everyone that we are, are most of the superstars that fans have wanted to see him up against in recent years, like a Rollins or a Brian or an AJ or a Joe or Johnny Gargano or whatever. Um, I think for him to just to come back for one match, who cares? Like at that point... Yeah, it's it's either it, you either go big or you go home. You either have him come back for more matches or none at all. That that's my thing here. I don't want to see him come back to face Kane in the middle of the ring in Saudi Arabia. That to me feels like a complete waste of his retirement. So if you're gonna say fuck it, he's back in the ring. He's gonna wrestle again. Then go all the way with it mm. and bring him back as a special part-time performer. Maybe not for the next ten years or even six or seven years like Brock Lesnar. But at least through WrestleMania or whatever, um, I just think that'd be pretty cool. Because just one match, one tag team match where you'll likely get in a fucking one switch in music and a crotch chop. Yeah. It's a match. You're breaking the retirement. I know it's not an official comeback, but you're breaking the retirement. So if you're going to break the retirement, just go to hell with it and wrestle everyone you possibly can before you can't wrestle anymore. Assuming he's still in good in-ring shape. I don't wow. think he's in as good of a shape as he was eight years ago when he wrestled his last match against the undertaker wrestlemania 26 i guess we'll soon find out um but i would assume he's in a good enough position and good enough shape to wrestle more matches than just one throwaway tag team match in saudi arabia i mean what if what if it is only you know when i say one more match i don't count the tag match but if if he's going to come back for one more singles match you know, I, I I would assume it would have to be for Taker, not for the AJs and Seth Rollins and you know those kind of people. I know everybody would love to see that as a, as a fantasy matchup, but I think if he's gonna come back out of an eight year retirement for anybody, it'll be for Taker. And then the stipulation might have to be, all right, Taker, you think I'm you think it's out of fear that I kept up my word? Uh, all right, now we put your career on the line. You know, you know, he could say, I'm, I'm already retired. It don't matter to me. But now if I beat you, you got to call it a career. Now, I think that's the only way they can do it. 
and that that'll probably give you an indication that that might be Taker's last match. Um, for any other reason, I just don't see why Sean would 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 do the comeback. Uh, I like that logic with Michaels that he is retired, so he's not really losing anything in this match. Mm-hmm. And if he beats Taker, then he has to retire. But then again, if Mike, it's not like it's a street fight or an unsanctioned match. It, I mean, then again, this is not confirmed. We're all fantasy booking yeah. here. Um, but Michaels, like, what would that really mean, though? So, like, if Michaels beats Taker in that tag team match or one-on-one match, whatever, and Taker has to retire in theory, what what does that mean? Because Shawn Michaels had to retire eight years ago. Now he's back wrestling against the same man that retired him. So it's like, if that didn't mean anything then, then why would it mean something now? And it's like the whole end of the era thing. That really, in all honesty, let's be you know, let's be frank here. That should have been the end of the Undertaker and Triple H and WWE. At least the Undertaker. Like the guy is really, he's had a few decent matches since then. Aside from maybe the Punk match and maybe one or two of the Brock matches, by and large, Taker has served no purpose and being brought back year after year for these matches that aren't really that good. Um, he really should have retired with that end of an era match with Triple H back at WrestleMania 28 six years ago in 2012. So I don't think they're doing that. Taker retiring at this point is comical. If they weren't going to do it at WrestleMania 33, like I said earlier this year, like you just said with Shawn Michaels, you better go all the way with it. Like if he didn't retire at that point, he might as well at this point be around for the next five years. Um, I don't want to see him come back for one match, a two-minute squash against John Cena. Like, that would be a waste, uh-huh. and it was. And he's still wrestling random matches against Rusev and now Triple H. It's like, who cares? But, yeah, I don't think they're going to do that. I think Taker's here to stay for as long as he wants to stick around for, as long as WWE will have him around for. Um. Yeah, I, I think it's very interesting to see. You know, Sean is one of my favorites of all time, him and Stone Cold. So it's just seeing, you know, the intrigue of what kind of shape he's in. Or how long can he go for? If he's going to blow wind five minutes into the, the, the tag match, then it's like, oh, okay, Sean can only do like seven minutes. So that might be the proper time frame for him and Taker to do one-on-one. But, uh, again, there's no given he's going to come back at all, at, you know, at all there's no indication of that there's signs pointing to that way we can speculate but um it's very interesting like why now why why eight years after the fact like you, you could have came back way before that but i know he wanted to live up to the storyline i think in real life he wanted to retire and get away from everything but i think that's the only way for him to for for fans who are really going to be like, oh, man, he really retired. He should have, you know, Ric Flair retired nine times and he came back nine times. You know, it just it just shit happens. <laughs> they, they can't step away from what they've been doing for so long. Hulk Hogan been back and forth many times. Um, but seeing Sean really do that for eight years and say, I'm not fighting. I think that that's that's true to his his testament of, of giving back to the company and really just lay, you know, living that storyline out. But him and Taker, that might be the only one, only one-on-one match I think um, that's worth bringing him out for. Would I want to see Sean and Daniel Bryan and you know Seth Rollins and you know that'd be cool. But you know you may not want to see it. But if you see Taker and Sean at WrestleMania 30 uh, with 35 in New York, you know it's not like you have to sell 
WrestleMania. You could just put Sean and Taker in the middle of that card and be, oh shit, I'm 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 gonna be there, especially if it's you know Taker's final match. Yeah, totally. I mean, like I said, at this point, the whole retirement stipulation means nothing. But still, I mean, as a match, it's a draw. I mean, it won't be nearly as good as it was eight years ago. I can just, I could just guarantee you of that. I mean, it really. I guess there's a slim chance it can be as good as it was eight years ago, at least from like a spectacle standpoint. If you add in all the smoke and mirrors and shit, but both guys are eight years older. Shawn Michaels has not wrestled the match since then, mm-hmm. so we have no idea as to if he can go or not. I mean, I'm sure he can go at Shawn Michaels, but just not at the level that he used to. And Taker, let's face it, the guy, like I said, has not had a real, like, truly great match in at least five or six years. He has looked absolutely awful the last couple of times we've seen him. So I don't want people to want the match, get the match, and then complain about it not being any good. And then a bit, and then it just being a waste of Shawn Michaels. And that's what I'm trying to tell people, that it won't be the match that people think it will be. But like you said, Randy, it's a draw. It's a draw. As long as it's not main event in the show, we've had so many main events over the last like fucking six or seven or eight years at WrestleMania that have featured part-timer after part-timer after part-timer. It's time to focus on the, uh, on the talent of today. But, you know, it's an attraction nonetheless. They need that one big attraction match. We've had that before with John Cena and The Undertaker, Brock Lesnar and Goldberg, Triple H and The Undertaker. We might just get that this coming year with uh, Sean and Taker Part 3. I mean, question. Think about it. If if they go through this out, they go through our fantasy booking, and it, let's say it is Taker's legit final match. We we all thought it was gonna be a wrap when he lost to Reigns two years ago. We we all say, oh, Taker's over, and he came back anyway. But it, let's say it is his final match, legit final match against Shawn Michaels. You still don't think that that can main event at WrestleMania 35 this year? No, I'm not saying that it couldn't. I just, I'm just saying that I don't think it should. <laughs> I don't think it should, but it probably will if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it won't because it's definitely a big draw. And you're, you can also, you can also pose the question. I'm not going to play. Uh, I'll, I'll play Devil's Advocate here for a second. You can also pose the question. Well, what bigger match can you do than Sean and Taker Part Three? Honestly, I don't know the answer to that question. I really don't. But just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Like. Let's say Stone Cold Steve Austin and John Cena. Would it be a, you know, a big match? Of course. It would it be a good match? Definitely not. John or Stone Cold has not wrestled the match in a decade and a half. So why would now be any different? Like just because you can doesn't mean you really should. Just because it has big name value on paper doesn't mean it's going to be a great match. Like I think it would be like it's one thing if it doesn't live up to expectations. It's another thing if the match is shit. So, again, I think they can focus on the talent of today by doing either a shield triple threat. They can do Roman. God forbid Roman. I mean, they've had him in the main event now for four or five years in a row. But Roman and The Rock, I mean, it's 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 not it's, – we still have a part-timer in the main event. But you know what? At least we have one guy that's still on the current roster that would hopefully be winning that match in the Roman Reigns. With Sean and Taker, it's like when you have a match like that main event, who does it really – Benefit like they're both going to be gone the next day, so it's one thing when you have a part timer in the main event, which I'm not happy about. Mm-hmm. But you know, like when Roman beat the Undertaker, Roman's there the next day, so he benefits. Um, this year, Roman and Brock, Brock or Brock won, but Roman was at least there the next day to sell the loss. 
you know, Roman or The Rock and John Cena. Cena was there the next year to sell the loss to The Rock. If Sean and Taker face off in the main event, then who gives a shit? Like, it doesn't matter because they're both going to be gone regardless. So it's not going to really do anything for the current roster, which needs all the help it can currently get. So that that's my two cents on that. And then Roman came on Raw the following night and delivered a masterful promo, just saying, it's my yard now. I think WWE ranked that as one of like the top three best moments in Raw history, which I'm sure that. you absolutely loved, Randy. Oh, God. Yo, just speaking <laughs> of, of these lists, uh, before I get to that, what irks you more as a fan from a storyline standpoint? People who retire and they come back, people who get fired and come back, or people say, I quit, and they come back like the following week? Oh, that's a great question. All three are pretty bad. <laughs> um, the retirement stipulation, you it doesn't always mean something. I think that one means more than the whole you're fired thing because almost always they, they always come back, like every single time. When they quit and they come back the following week, that's that's pretty bad. With the with the year fired thing, that's the same thing where they get fired and they're brought back the very next week or two. Um, that's kind of like with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they got fired earlier this year. They were brought back to Raw like the very next month. Like that was fucking ridiculous. Um, the whole Kevin Kevin Owens really does not have a does not have a lot of great luck with getting fired and quitting because he got fired from SmackDown a couple months ago, came back on Raw two weeks later. Then he quit Rob two weeks ago and came back the very next week. So Kevin Owens is really not at the best track record right now when it comes to uh, uh, returning to Raw and quitting and getting fired and whatever. But all three storylines are pretty bad. It's really wrestling at its finest. And when I say finest, I mean worst. Well, since you mentioned, you know, list of, you know, the company that, that, that they do, did you see their list of the five best Hell in a Cell matches ever? I actually did not. Was this along the same vein as the uh, top ten faction? Uh, the, the factions? Like, w- was it from their Instagram page, or where was this? Yes, Instagram page. Okay, yeah, it's probably bullshit, but probably not as bullshit. The, sh- the faction one was pretty bad, but uh, no, I did not see that. you got to enlighten me here. So, top five. Number five, Undertaker Mankind, the, the infamous Mankind off the cell. Number five. Okay, should be way higher, but okay, at least it's on there. Number four, the Usos and the New Day. Okay, it's on there. I'm f- almost okay with that because the match was great. I don't know if I would put top five per se, mm-hmm. maybe top ten, but it should not be above Taker and Mankind, but continue. Number three, Taker Triple H, WrestleMania 28. Love the match, overrated, definitely not top hell in the cell matches overrated wow it is i think the match is amazing don't get me i think it's an awesome match but really as a spectacle it's a great match Mm -hmm. it's not one of the greatest hell in the cell matches of all time it's one of takers better wrestlemania matches but there have been way better cell matches i think than that one they really did not utilize the cell at all if you really watch it back but i thought it was a great match though it's a tad overrated number two the first ever match hell in a cell sean and the undertaker that should be number one, but what is number one? Triple H Cactus Jack. Okay. I would put that in the top five, but I wouldn't put that number one. Yeah, me either. So I, I think I think Sean and Taker are the best. Like I love Taker Mankind, but would you say a match? 
No, it's not a good match, no. But it has right. to be on there for the spot alone. It has right. to be in the top five. It just has to be. Yeah, it, it definitely has those moments. But as far as the match, Sean Taker, the build, Kane debuting, it is set off where Sean did his thing with Brett, Taker did his thing with Kane. You introduce a new new character, a new star. Uh, you know, Cactus and Hunter, I thought was pretty good. I think that, I think that was no way out. Two thousand. It was, yeah, two thousand. Um, I, 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 you know what? For me, it's Sean and Taker, man. I, I'm not saying n- nothing away from, nothing given away from Cactus and Hunter, but you know, I'm not surprised. Number one belongs to a spot with with Hunter Hearst Helmsley involved, right? <laughs> Wasn't Triple H number one on a list of uh, greatest Undertaker rivals recently too? I did see that, and come on, that, that's, so, that's bullshit. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm honestly shocked that DX was a number one in the faction list. That would have been a clean sweep. Yeah, it, rivalry for Taker, it's got to be Kane and Mankind. I think after that, you can kind of yeah, flip it. one of those two. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, the match, you, you're right. Number one should be Undertaker, Sean. You can't beat the original. It was an amazing match. It was a great wrestling match, too. It was not only a great cell match, but it was a great wrestling match, too, which you don't see at all nowadays. Either you have a great match or a great cell match. You can't really have both, and they did. And not only that, on top of all that, you had the debut of Kane, arguably one of, if not the greatest debut of all time. And they just told a great story with Sean continuing to beat Taker, time after time after time leading up to their eventual WrestleMania matches starting in 09. So, mm. yeah, you really can't go wrong with the original. I don't, I don't think that one will ever be beaten. Since, we, since we're talking about Mankind, since we, you know he's on the subject right now, real quick, uh, I, I am going to get to a question about AJ after this, but, uh, you know, me and you, we always do anniversaries. So, coming up on, we're taping this on Thursday, the 20th of September. So, Saturday... The 22nd will make 22 years since In Your House Mind Games. And, um, you know, when you bring up In Your House Mind Games is always in the top three, top five. Uh, I'm not too sure as far as the overall show, but as far as In Your House matches goes, um, Shawn Michaels and Mankind in the main event, um, was definitely the highlight of that show for those who haven't seen it go on to go on to the network and check it out uh strong and mankind was the main event also on the card a whole bunch of people that you might might not even recognize or hear about or be like wow they were still wrestling in 1996 um when was the last time you seen mind games grant uh, do you have any idea what the show i'm talking about <laughs> yeah no i watched it like I, i've said before i've seen every I've seen every pay-per-view period on the network. I've gone back and watched every single one of them for historical purposes and just to review them for various things. I have seen the match. The match is amazing. I watched it. The last time I saw it was about maybe a year, year and a half ago. Um, It's got to be up there as one of, if not the greatest in-your-house match of all time. And a few different things, too. Not only that, but also it's one of Shawn Michaels' most underrated matches. Mm -hmm. Because when you think of great Shawn matches, you don't automatically think of that one. That's got to be up there, though. Two, it is easily, and I would love for someone to debate me on this, but I think it is easily Mick Foley's greatest WWE match. Like, we just talked about the Undertaker match. Yeah, it was a great spectacle as a match. Eh, not really. It was kind of like a couple bumps and an amazing story, but as a match, eh, not really. 
best match the guy ever had in the company. And he had a lot of good ones with Edge, you know, and a few others. Triple H, like you just said. No better than this match right here with Shawn Michaels. It was, I think it ended in a DQ too, if I'm not mistaken. I'm almost positive it ended in a DQ. Is that is that uh, correct, Randy, or am I just uh, going They got here? Shawn winning by DQ. Yeah, so I was going to say too, which is a perfect time, what else I wanted to mention, that it's such an amazing match that was barely tainted by the DQ finish because nowadays they do DQ finishes and they're bullshit. You see them coming. Like we just talked about, how could they end a pay-per-view with a no contest in 2018? Well, they've done it before, now with the no contest, but they've done that too. But like with DQs, and in this case, it fucking worked because the match was so great and no one cared that it ended in a DQ. And they were all they also weren't doing that um, every single week or every single month on pay-per-view, so it didn't really matter as much when they did it here. But what I wanted to say was that I don't think I'd ever seen a match as good as this that had ended, that was so great, but ended with a non-finish. Up until this week on NXT, there was Pete Dunne, Ricochet, battling for the United Kingdom Championship and the NXT North American Championships alike. It was two titles for one. The match was absolutely amazing. Ended on a DQ after the Undisputed Era got involved. And you could see the DQ coming from a mile away because... It was pretty obvious it was not ending with a clean finish. But that was the first thing I thought of was that this was the greatest match I have seen since Sean and Foley, Sean and Mankind, that ended on a DQ or some sort of non-finish. So it's kind of cool that one's, that anniversary is coming up uh, in a couple days. But, yeah, I know it was a great match and uh, definitely helped put both guys on the map. You said 22 years ago. That was 96. Yep. Mankind had an amazing debut year between the feud of uh, The Undertaker and then feuding with Shawn Michaels, too. He was really solidified as a superstar in that year alone. And Shawn Michaels continued his great reign of awesome title matches with the likes of Vader, Kevin Nash, Psycho Sid, and now Mick Foley. Um, so, yeah, this match needs to be seen to be believed. I don't think it gets enough credit or enough recognition for being as good as it is. Yeah, I think, you know, during that time, you know, that was Shawn's first reign as champion and, and people forget of how many how many good to great matches he had you know during that time brett is on on the you know whatever retirement and you know sean is a world champion and i think at this time you know diesel and razor had, le- had left the company so it was really him and he had great match a lot of underrated matches um with mankind with the bulldog with vader uh psycho sid even uh, Diesel uh, in the pay-per-view right after WrestleMania 12. Um, so it just, you know, some, some I've heard some people tell me that, you know, Sean's first title reign was, eh, it's a company. They're going through that that different kind of era still. And, you know, you know, no Brett, no Diesel, no Razor. It was really Sean and Taker at, at the helm at that time. And, you know, he really carried a company on his back with these matches but you know again Sean and Mankind a, a definitely underrated match a very underrated pay-per-view I haven't seen the, f- the full entirety in a while but real quick uh, Jake Roberts defeated Triple H wow Farouk defeated Mark Merrow Psycho Sid defeated Vader Savio Vega defeated Marty Jannetty Marty Jannetty was on the roster wow so, uh, and then Savio defeated Justin Bradshaw 
Um, okay. Jose Lothario, <laughs> de- Jose Lothario defeated Jim Cornette. I didn't know what the fuck that was about. Owen, Owen Hart and the Bulldog defeated the Smoking Guns. Mark Henry defeated Jerry Lawler. And The Undertaker defeated Goldust in a final curtain match, which I don't, I forgot what, what a final curtain match was. And then Sean defeated Mankind. So, uh, again, I, I think it's still up there as far as in your house pay per view events, especially main events. Uh, for the world title, and uh, definitely, you, you know, you mentioned a very underrated Mankind match, probably his his best, and I think a very overall underrated Shawn Michaels match as world champion. Most definitely, you said that people are kind of torn on Michaels' first reign with the championship, but I have to disagree. I mean, I don't think there's many title reigns out there that produced as many match of the year candidates as Michaels' first run as champion did. Like I said, the matches with Vader, Mick Foley. Kevin Nash, who didn't have many great matches in WWE, let's face it. Kevin Nash, Mick Foley, Vader, Psycho Sid of all people. That Survivor Series match was great. I don't care what anyone says. And Bret Hart, like, come on. doesn't get much better than that. And I think Stone Cold Steve, no, that was in 97, I think. 97. Yeah, they faced off a King of the Ring. That was a different different year. But still, Shawn Michaels had a lot of amazing matches for his first time on top as champion. So I think, honestly, Mike should be regarded as one of the greatest championship runs in the company's history. Um, I think it really helped put Michaels on the map, and he was a great character. He had amazing matches. And, uh, yeah, this Mick Foley match was one of them. It really, like I said, needs to be seen by everyone. If you have not already watched it, that's what the network is for. Go back and watch it on uh, the WWE Network. The last question I got for you, Graham, I, you know, I think I mentioned it earlier, you know, in the year. You know, AJ Styles has been champion since, I think, November, so almost a year. You know, get, getting to that point, um, has had Samoa Joe and Rusev and Nakamura in his path. Um, but the the one thing I want to ask you um you know, he did retain the belt against Samoa Joe. He will defend it against Samoa Joe at Super Showdown. I think he will still be champion. But is it it the one thing I want to know, Grant? Is it me? Am I bugging or and nothing taken away from AJ? I think he's very talented and one one of the greatest of all time. But it seems to me his reign as champion and the matches that he he's been having. Either they sound good on paper, they sound good in the build-up, but in the ring, the matches keeps the matches seem kind of boring to me. And I, I don't know if it's AJ, I don't know if it's the, the, his opponent. The chemistry is not there. The crowd, to me, the crowd is rarely into the, into those matches. I could be reading it wrong, but when I'm watching him and Joe go at it on Sunday, it just felt like the crowd was dead. They, they weren't into it and. And that's not the first time I felt like that. I told you when he had the four matches with, with Nakamura, it just didn't feel special to me. So, one, am I bugging? Two, what do you what do you think it is? The, the reason why I feel like a lot of AJ Styles matches, championship matches, are just not as great as we think it should be. Well, you're not the only one to have thought and said that. So you're definitely not alone with that opinion. Um, I've enjoyed his reign. And the thing with AJ is that I think all these matches have been great. I thought the Joe match was really, really good. Not only the Hell in the Cell one, but the one at SummerSlam, too. I think the biggest issue with the AJ Styles reign, though, is that almost every title defensive is has some sort of screwy finish. 
every fucking time. This match at Hell in a Cell, the SummerSlam match, like three or four matches out of the ones that he had with Nakamura all were tainted by uh, screwy finishes with like the low blows and all that other dumb shit. Even at the Royal Rumble, he faced Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And there was all this controversy about him pinning the wrong man. It was a handicap match. Like, this whole thing about AJ and the finishes being tainted and they're screwy and they're shenanigans. That's what I think has really been holding his matches back from being the classics that they should be. But if they let them just go out there and have a great match, which I think they did on Sunday. That's purely my opinion. The crowd was not as into it as they should have been, which really bummed me out. But I think they made a mistake by having that follow the Raw Tag Team title match. Because that match was amazing. Yeah. So if they had that, if they had it a little later on in the show, it would have been a different story. Same thing. Go back to SummerSlam. Joe and AJ had a great match. The crowd was into it. They had Brian and Miz immediately follow that. Why? I have no idea. But because they had that go right on after the Joe AJ match, the crowd wasn't into it because mm. they were all excited for the previous match. And it's, it's a logic booking one hundred and one here when it comes to scheduling matches one after another. Um, but I thought the match. I think the feud's been great. I think the feed's been really, really good. And you know what? There really aren't many better choices to have right now on top with that championship than AJ. And it's good that it's one of those things where it's like, it's not like with Jinder Mahal, like, oh, I can't believe he retained. I don't really want to see him as champion anymore. I'm not sure the majority will ever feel that way about AJ Styles because he is that good. So at least, you know, I would love to see Joe as WWE champion. But AJ is not the worst case scenario either. And like you mentioned earlier, we could always see a scenario at some point in the not-so-distant future of The Miz becoming champion and maybe yeah. him being the one to knock off AJ and become champion. And I think that feud can be really entertaining, too. So, anyway, um, I think the matches have been good. Maybe not as great as they could be, but um, it has been a great reign. He's been champion now for over 10 months, which is pretty pretty unbelievable for a guy that is full-time in the roster not named Brock Lesnar and for a guy that was never even expected to be in WWE three years ago so again a pretty remarkable reign for AJ all things considered yeah I, I for me I just feel like you know when I watch it, it you kind of feel like they should be doing I'm not saying go jump up and down do all the flippity floppy shit all the time but I just feel like they you know the crowd is not really into it. They're probably telling it a different story than, than what I want to see um, at home. But, you know, if, if this was one match, okay, cool. But I, like you said, I've seen it with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Nakamura and the Rusev. And, you know, it, it rarely, you know, what's even crazier is that AJ hasn't even, you could tell me when, if I'm wrong, but, you know, he, he hasn't main evented a pay-per-view as champion, right? I mean, as as far as them bringing back the co-branded pay-per-view, he he hasn't main evented a show as champion, right? Nope, not yeah, no, he has not main evented a pay-per-view since Crazy. Fast Lane, which was in March wow. six months ago. Before that, he had last main evented Clash of Champions, which was in December. And um, I think, I don't know, he must have made event to the pay-per-view before that. I can't remember. But, yeah, as champion, he's only made event to two pay-per-views, being Clash of Champions last December with Ginger Mahal and then the, like, six-pack or seven-pack challenge, whatever it was, at Fastlane in March. Because since then, he's been relegated to the undercard, at WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Hell in a Cell. So, uh, yeah, he has not made event to the pay-per-view yet, and they've always been giving the main event slot to the Raw side, which sucks. Yeah. 
because AJ's been, I mean, they haven't been amazing matches, but they've been better matches. Joe and AJ would have been a better finish to that pay-per-view than whatever the hell we saw with Braun and Roman. So they won't do that. They won't do that. I mean, maybe Super Showdown, but I think Triple H and Taker is going to be headlining over Joe and AJ again. And then forget about with Crown Jewel. They're definitely not having a main event over uh, Roman, Braun, and Brock. And then maybe Survivor Series. I doubt it. I don't know. But yeah, it's a, it's a real shame. He's had a great reign, but very reminiscent of CM Punk from 2011, 2012, when the guy barely main evented any pay-per-views as champion. Do you think that they they fear uh, of not knowing what to do with AJ if he's no longer champion? Um, I don't think so because I think they'll find a role for him no matter what. I think there was that fear when he dropped the championship the first time back in early 2017. And then for the next 10 months after that, he had the United States championship thing going on. He was in a high-profile program with Shane McMahon. He was feuding with uh, Baron Corbin and a few other people. So he would still be a big star in the roster, whether he's going for a mid-card championship or feuding with Randy Orton. There's a lot of people for him to feud with still on SmackDown. Like, he's already knocked off Nakamura, Rusev, and now Samoa Joe. But he still has feuds waiting for him with Daniel Bryan, a full-fledged feud with Andrade Sinalmas, um, The Miz. Like, there's a couple different people. Um, Randy Orton. So there, there's a lot of people left for AJ to feed with and have great matches with. So I'm sure. So I'm sure even if he isn't champion, they'll still have high hopes for him or high plans for him, like you know, main event level plans, even long after his championship reign is over. And then maybe a move to Raw is likely come 2019. Mm. So if I ask you, what has been the the highlight or the high point of AJ's uh, reign as champion? What would that be? Probably what he's doing right now. I did think the Nakamura stuff was slightly underwhelming. Uh, maybe just some of the early matches really were not as good as they could or should have been, considering they had that amazing match at Wrestle Kingdom a few years ago. So it definitely wasn't that. Um, the matches with Owens and Zayn were good, but they were just kind of marred by awful booking. The Jinder Mahal stuff was better than anything else that Jinder's ever had but still not great by AJ standards. So I would say now I think the AJ Joe feud has been great. It's been a very, you know, compelling TV on SmackDown every week for recent months and recent months. And the matches, like I said, I think have been above average. So I think the best part of his reign is happening right now with Samoa Joe. And last one before I let you go, well, two, two things, you know, we uh, talk about the women on Raw and SmackDown one. Uh, Becky, as I mentioned earlier, is a new SmackDown Women's Champion. She's you know, continuing her feud with Charlotte. See a little more heelish kind of uh, attitude by Becky this past week. Um, one, What did you make of the match that Becky won at Hell in a Cell and the, the, them continuing this feud between Becky and Charlotte? I thought it was great. I really enjoyed the match. I mean, the two have always had amazing chemistry, so the fact the match was really good did not surprise me at all. Um, for predictions, I was not expecting Becky to win. So that came as a pleasant surprise. Um, I thought it was a great way to keep the feud fresh, get the belt on the person who deserved it. Becky has been killing it as a heel for the last couple of months now, since SummerSlam anyway. And uh, Charlotte, I mean, she should be a heel, but whatever. Uh, at least Becky's holding up her end of the bargain by putting forth great promos and performances in the ring. So, yeah, very good match. Right decision to put the belt on her. And they had a great follow-up on SmackDown, too, with Becky getting the last word. So I'm looking forward to the next match between them at Super Showdown um, in early October. 
And when it comes to the Raw side, Ronda Rousey's, you know, still a Raw Women's Champion. Um, you know, she she did a, a like like an open challenge, and it was supposed to be the Talia, but it wasn't. And it was you know the Riot Squad, and just kind of seeing how they, how has the booking of Ronda Rousey as Raw Women's Champion since SummerSlam been for you? It's been exactly what it should be. Um, with her being dominant and just wrecking, just being a wrecking ball in that division steamrolling through everyone who steps up the challenger, including Alexa Bliss. Now, I know the biggest issue with that match was that there was no way in hell that Alexa Bliss was beating Ronda Rousey. But, you know, at least they gave her some offense over Rousey, which was a bit unbelievable. But they played up the injury from Raw, so it was okay. But, yeah, Rousey has been um, the star that she should be. Maybe some might argue, oh, she's not as special as she once was. No, 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 I think she is. I think she's. Uh, they've done great by her. She's not wrestling every week on Raw, but she's wrestling enough where she's not Brock Lesnar. She's still on the show every week. Her promos are passable. Her matches are getting better and better by the pay-per-view. So, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying Roman uh, Roman Reigns. Ronda Rousey, the other the other person with two R's in their name. Ronda Rousey, um, her reign is Raw Women's... That's, that's a tongue twister. Raw right, Women's Champion. <laughs> uh, Ronda Rousey, uh, her reign is Raw Women's Champion. It's been very, very good. And I think her matches coming up with like the Riot Squad. There, there's a lot of potential matches there with Ruby Riot, Bailey, Sasha Banks, and obviously come Charlotte at WrestleMania. I think it's going to be a great match too. So yeah, so far so good with Ronda Rousey. She's a rare case where they actually protect someone and make them feel special. What a concept! Uh, nothing else from Raw Smack. Oh, also I know I forgot something. Uh, Rey Mysterio is coming back. Um, I did forget about that. Rey Mysterio, I think what. I could be wrong. Two-year contract, something like that. But either way, Rey Mysterio is back uh, in the company. We don't know if it's going to be Raw, SmackDown. People were just saying, oh, we're going to see Rey and Almas, Rey and Randy Orton, Rey and Danny Bryan. So before we get into all that, uh, j- just seeing Rey Mysterio back in the company, uh, what's the what's the possibilities for him going forward? Um, I think SmackDown's probably the best place to put him. Like you said, um, I think people are fantasy booking him on the blue brand, which makes a lot of sense. SmackDown was his home for a long, long time. You know, honestly, at this point, I would wait to bring back Ray until the 1,000th episode of SmackDown, which is going to be, I think, on October 16th. He's played a big role in making that show what it is today from his time there. He debuted on the show. He made his WWE debut on SmackDown back in 2002. He was there for like four years, four or five years, six years even, before being drafted to Raw. Went back to SmackDown, became world champion over there a couple times. He belongs on the blue brand. So I hope he gets um, put on the SmackDown show and is a top star for them. There's a lot of feuds waiting for him over there. They really don't have many top faces on SmackDown. I know they have AJ, Hardy, and Brian, which are very three strong faces and Rusev too. I think one more could help out tremendously. So Rey Mysterio versus, like you said, Brian, Almas, AJ, maybe even Nakamura, Randy Orton. Um, possibilities are endless. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I know it's been rumored now for a while, dating back to his initial Royal Rumble uh, appearance back in January. And I know he was in the greatest Royal Rumble, too. But, yeah, I think Ray being back in the company is great. The guy's proved the last couple of times that I've seen him in action that he could still go. He was in action at All In, had a great performance there. He's been doing some stuff with New Japan. So, Ray's a hot commodity right now. And as long as they don't, fuck him up and just put him on 205 Live and have him job to like Noem Dar or something, mm-hmm. then I think he's got a bright future in WWE. Hopefully he's used better this time than he was at the end of his last run with the company uh, three or four years ago. 
so nothing else on Raw, SmackDown that I'm forgetting that's noteworthy, right? Uh, not really. Raw was definitely not newsworthy. SmackDown was a bit better, but not exactly newsworthy either. I mean, I know Rusev Day broke up. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It is what it is. I think we all saw that coming. I really don't think English is much of a feature on his own beyond the Rusev Day stuff. I would, I would keep them together, but they've been teasing tension for so long they had to break them up at some point. They are better off together than they are apart, but Rusev will be fine. He's a face. He's over right now. English is who I really fear for, but he's really not that good on his own anyway. So we'll see how that pans out. But beyond that, yeah, SmackDown was not exactly newsworthy on Tuesday. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. You can follow Graham Matthews on Bleacher Report um, or on Twitter. He's from Bleacher Report at WrestleRant. Also, our third man, Mark Remondi from MMAFighting.com. He's under, uh, Mark underscore Remondi. Again, hit us up on uh, iTunes. Give us a rate, comment, subscribe. And soundcloud.com slash cruise control podcast. Again, you can find the two out of three falls t shirt now on pro wrestling tees.com. Again, pro wrestling tees.com for two out of three falls. Graham, my man, always a pleasure. Thank you, Randy, for having me on. As always, always a great time. I'll talk to you next week, my man. All right, man, take it easy. All right, adios. All right.